from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. This is Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. With the onset of fall comes a slew of new music. This week, a record review roundup. We'll share our opinions on new releases by Lana Del Rey, Tool, and more. We'll also bid farewell to musicians we lost recently, including Daniel Johnston and Rick Okasik of The Cars. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and later in the show, we'll pay tribute to some of the musicians we've lost recently. Rick Okasik, Daniel Johnston, Eddie Money. But first, it's time to review some new music. Greg, I'm astounded that in this new era of the uh, recording business, you know, there's still this tradition of everybody releases albums the last couple of weeks of September, the beginning of October, to be eligible for Grammys and the Christmas (laughs) rush. Is anybody getting CDs for Christmas anymore? You know, I thought everybody streamed. Yes. That is a little bit of the title track from the long, and I mean long-awaited, fifth album by Tool, Fear, Inoculum. Thirteen years since the last Tool album, Greg, and some people have been eagerly awaiting. This group has a devoted cult following since its formation in Los Angeles, 1990, around vocalist Maynard James Keenan. They are considered, uh, all four members, virtuosic musicians. The lineup is the same since they had a bass change early on. You know, it was really Lollapalooza Mach 1 back in the 90s, 1993, that launched this group to superstardom. After a debut EP, the album Undertow came out. It went platinum. They won over the Lollapalooza audience followed up in 96, again at the height of the alternative era, but just as it was beginning to wane and uh, lead us to the new metal doldrums. Tool's been consistent ever since, if not exactly prolific. People wondered for years whether we'd ever see them return. Uh, Maynard James Keenan had a side project, A Perfect Circle. Uh, Drummer Danny Carey, who's considered a superstar among musotypes, has been playing uh, in all sorts of different contexts. Now comes a new Tool album, and a hefty Tool album. It is 86 minutes. (laughs) Let's play a track from it. We'll come back. We'll give our opinions. This is part part of the 15-minute, 43-second track known as Tempest on Sound Opinion.
That is Tempest from the new Tool album, Fear Inoculum, as Jim mentioned, just a part, a small piece of Tempest, uh, which is a 15-minute long track. If you may think that's an outlier, hey, that's the long track on the album, well, you'd be wrong, because uh, (laughs) six of the seven songs on this record are 10 minutes long. Uh, There's uh, also three interstitial tracks. It was originally intended as this long single piece of music, as I understand it, kind Mm -hmm. of like a symphony and they eventually decided to break it up into into these seven longer tracks. The effect being similar, though, I feel like when I'm listening to this record, especially the initial part of it, that it is one long piece of mood music. is a band that requires a lot of its fans, a lot of patience, and the fans reward them with it because they do spend a lot of time uh, drinking in these records. These are not one-listen albums that they're making. You know, they're not giving their fans traditional songs by any stretch. These are long mood pieces. There's a heavy emphasis on the storytelling aspect of it, the lyrics. I noticed that uh, Maynard James Keenan, the vocalist, is not really, he's not a traditional metal uh, slash hard rock screamer vocalist. He is very much, it's almost like a spoken word piece that he's intoning here. It's very much about focus on these words. And there are long stretches of instrumental uh, jamming, uh, which is not a word they'd embrace. Well, I think, uh, you know, what's interesting to me is that, especially in the first part of the record, uh, the drummer, Danny Carey, is kind of the focus. His drums are very much in the lead. It's a very dry sound. There's not a lot of cymbals. It's almost tribal. There's some hand percussion going on. There's a lot of world beat. I mean, a lot of what Carrie's doing, Greg, with the tablas, with the hand drums, with the gongs, is very Middle Eastern in uh, in spirit. problems with this band, though, Greg, and I'm risking offending a cult following uh, that rivals perhaps only that of Rush in its devotion. You know, Keenan has got nothing to say, and he oh, says I, I it. I disagree. I he disagree. says it he, he super has a lot, pretentiously. He has a lot to say. Well, tell me what this means. Uh, I, we are spirit bound to this flesh, round on one foot, nailed down, bound to reach out and beyond the flesh, become Numa. That's dust to dust, man. That is like oh, you become that, a soul, you, you just become a better. spirit. You know, that that's yeah, essentially yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a. He's talking a lot about aging and relevance on on this uh, record. He's he's a, a 55 year old guy now. And he's wrestling with this whole idea of of overcoming some of the stuff that held him back. And I I get that. I I think there's a great deal of importance. What I I don't see it as particularly musical. I think he's so focused on the storytelling aspect of this and sort of imparting this philosophy that he loses some of the the musicality, the intensity, the dynamism that made some of those early Tool records really good. Like, for example, I loved Lateralist. I thought that was a really great metal-slash-progressive record. This record only takes off for me... Uh, on the last track, um, the, the 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 snippet of which we played, Tempest. That's when you really hear Adam Jones take over on guitar, mm. and the band becomes this amazing power trio. 
that I recall from their their days in the 90s that I really loved. I think since then they've become much more this, you know, we are going to be sort of a modern-day uh, mixture of King Crimson, Meshuga, kind of this progressive sheen, these deep philosophical lyrics, but I think they've lost some of the dynamism of their sound. I'll take King Crimson or Meshuga any day of the week over Tool. Uh, and I'm a drummer. I, I admire what Carrie is doing in large stretches of this disc. But this is a record for the devoted. You know, if you recall, back in 2006, 10,000 Days made our turkey shoot of the year. Tool, Tool was going this direction of, yeah. of irrelevance to us uh, for a while. Uh, this record, you know, it really doesn't give me a reason to rush back. And if you discern philosophy, I got to go out with you later and have a couple <laughs> beers and figure out what the hell it is. Summertime and the living's easy. Rallies on the microphone with Ross MG. All the people in the dance will agree that we're well qualified to represent the LBC. Me, me and Louis, we're gonna run to the party and dance to the rhythm. It gets harder. That is a track called Doin' Time from the new Lana Del Rey record, Norman Effin Rockwell, heretofore known as NFR, NFR Jim, yes. because we want to play by public radio rules here. Lana Del Rey, career started in the uh, early two th- 2010s uh, when she was known as a singer named Lizzie Grant. The debut album uh, came out and then was pulled from stores because it wasn't being promoted enough, so needless to say, a rocky start. But she had a viral success in 2011 with a track called Video Games, signed a major label deal. The major label debut, 2012, Born to Die, caused a big stir. A lot of uh, hype. A lot of controversy, a lot of hype uh, about this mix of kind of blasé, downer, blues pop that she was singing and in, in, in many ways uh, playing a sort of a victim in her songs. Uh, and then revealing layers over, over the subsequent records that there was more to it than just that. Lust for Life, her 2017 album, actually was number one in the U.S. when it debuted and was nominated for a, a, a Grammy. Her sixth studio album, NFR, just released. This is what we're going to review next. Here's a track from it. It's called Mariner's Apartment Complex from Lana Del Rey on Sound Opinions. You took my sadness out of context At the Mariner's apartment complex I ain't no candle in the wind I'm the boy, the lightning, the thunder The kind of girl who's gonna make you wonder Who you are and who you've been That is part of Mariner's Apartment Complex by Lana Del Rey. NFR is the new album. 
Um, Greg, you and I were very skeptical, me probably more than you, of Lana Del Rey early on. One of our uh, contemporaries, uh, peers, uh, Ann Powers, uh, got into a little bit of a one of those online contratemps mm. between artist and critic. Uh, when Ann was criticizing uh, Lana's uh, vulnerable, seeming seemingly willing to be vulnerable persona, I think Ann was reviewing the older records because I actually think NFR is my favorite Lana Del Rey record so far. It's got less of that uh, posing. Um, you know, they're still posing, to be sure. She's uh, now shifted away from, like, the early 60s updating Nancy Sinatra to sort of the Laurel Canyon, mm. you know, singer-songwriter thing. And and I thought I was original in coming up with this, and then I was doing some more research after listening to this record for a week. This is kind of the oral equivalent of the way Quentin Tarantino portrays Sharon Tate in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hmm. This beautiful, fragile uh, creature who is destined for doom. And what, what doom Lana is foreseeing is for once not primarily personal and romantic. She's talking about these times and, and being dark times and uh, uh, troubling times and, uh, you know, looking for hope in those times. Hope is a dangerous thing for a woman like me to have but I have it I think you know the the mainstream pop production by Jack Antonoff Harley Rae Jepsen Lord Taylor Swift uh, suits Lana well it's the easiest record to listen to without me wincing as much as I would often do uh, two or three times a song in the earlier record I like this record mm-hmm. yeah I uh I think that track that we played, uh, Mariner's Apartment Complex, just blew my doors off when I heard it. I thought that was brilliant. I wasn't expecting it, uh, and I think that's all, all the more reason that I was so impressed with it. Uh, I thought I had her pegged. Yeah, uh, well, and, and she's and, laughing and, at herself, and too. A, and there's a lot more going on yeah, with, when, this, when with, with her as a songwriter. When she's singing about trying to make the next best American record. Yeah. You know, that's not a brag. She's got a laughing at the earlier pretension. I think uh, I, I think there's a lot going on here. I think she that, that, that persona, as I said, she was typecast as this kind of wounded character early on. I think she was a, playing a role there, and I think to a degree she's playing a role here as well. But... The whole idea of the guys in these songs are the ones in trouble, the, that are the troubled genius, the man-child who can't get a, mm-hmm. a grip on himself. And she's there kind of like, I see you more clearly than you see yourself. Yeah. And I'm here to help. I love you. But at the same time, you're really screwed up. You know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. here are the reasons why. And drawing that metaphor out, as you pointed out, talking about the destruction of the planet. I go, wow, I was not expecting her to make these metaphorical songs about... The apocalypse, you know? But here we have The Greatest, which is, to me, a really well-done song about the end of the end of the world. Oh, I just missed a fireball. LA's in flames, it's getting hot. And uh, she's reaching this, this, this new territory in an interesting fashion. I think I would give more credit. I don't think it's quite as mainstreamy sounding as you make it sound. Uh, this is, These songs are long and complex. You know, you yeah. talk about the Tool record. No, you, it's, you, it, it takes a little time to spend it's with. It's still a torch song yeah. record, but I think yeah. Antonoff probably curbed some of her worst tendencies. There's a lot of vocal interplay going on. There's different voices in the songs where she seems to be almost playing those different roles. 
like a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's those cinematic strings, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a this is one of those records that each time I listen to it, I hear something new in it. And yeah. it, it is one of those records that I think will continue to grow. And Are maybe, you with me? Is it her best? I, I think it's by far her best record. Yeah. That's what we think about Tool and Lana Del Rey, but we want to hear from you, as always. What are your thoughts? Call 888-859-1800 and leave us a message with your opinion and why. Coming up, we'll review new music from rapper and actor Common and the debut solo record from Alabama Shakes frontwoman Brittany Howard. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with my partner, Jim DeRigatis, and this week we're sharing our thoughts on a plethora of new albums. Up next, we've got Common. Two DJs, one microphone, we freestyle, we write at home. It don't, it don't, uh, uh, we go on. You the one I can't leave alone. You grown, I know you grown. When I'm in you, I feel home. We in the house of love, no lie. Appreciate you more as time goes by. When it's truly true, it don't die. I see you in LA. That is a track called Her Love from the new common record, Let Love. Twelfth studio album from this guy. Remember when, Jim, we knew this guy when I he was remember. just a kid? Common sense back then. He did indeed put uh, Chicago on the map as a, as a place that was making some really innovative hip-hop. He was uh, one of the first uh, in that pack. We would have no Kanye West or Chance the Rapper no. had Common not laid that groundwork. This is his 12th studio album. He's 47 years old. He debuted in 92, as I said, with Can I Borrow a Dollar as Common Sense. He has become more famous in recent years as a movie star. He's been in a TV series. He's also won an Oscar. He and uh, John Legend collaborated on a song called Glory um, for the uh, film Selma in 2014. Common also co-starred in that movie. Meanwhile, very quietly, he's been re-emerging as a rap artist making substantive album. I would put uh, 2014's Nobody's Smiling mm-hmm. and 2016's Black America again, a very strong protest record in that category. And now we have Let Love. Here's a track from the new album from Common. It's called Memories of Home from Common on Sound Opinions. My first memory, my birthday on a party bus. Pops wasn't there, but that would not be us. In mom's arms, in God we trust. Black mama love, everything marvelous. I didn't know what I was missing. Part of a system, pops is gone. Uncle in prison, inside wishing. Four men to teach me about girls and religion. Made my own rendition of grinding and kissing. Weekend calls to my dad, I listen. Still I felt distant, distant like love. There's only so far that words could really hug. Didn't want to be a thug, older I bang with. I learned a lot from them cuts in the basement. The smell of blunts laced with a little bit of spice. Wise hot giving me advice. We go out and start fights. Scuff up our nights. Come back and talk crap and shoot a little dice. This is a slice of life and memories. Sitting in my mind vividly. Often they visit me.
That is Memories of Home by Common from Let Love, his new album. You know, you think of other uh, rappers who've gone on to great success as actors. Put out records, nobody cared. Common's records remain important to listen to. At the same time, and I say this as a super fan, I would not recommend Let Love as the place to start to appreciate him. You know, that one-two punch of Like Water for Chocolate in 2000 and Electric Circus, Mm. his uh, alternative hip-hop album in 2002, those are just stone-cold masterpieces. No two ways about it. Let Love, I think, echoes Like Water for Chocolate in many ways, in the soulful, romantic, introspective uh, ruminations about love and how to uh, be a decent man. In this case, though, it's, it's him often talking about his daughter and realizing that, that it was never enough to just say, I love you, to his young. I remember when she was a kid running around yeah. when I'm interviewing him. He's, she's 22 now. Uh, it's not enough to say, you know, I love you. He's often absent for long periods in her life. Mm-hmm. Love is an action verb, according to Common. He's also put out a memoir, Let Love Have the Last Word. He's got love on the mind, and what does it mean? At the same time, there are tracks, there always have been, where he is playing other, more troubling characters. Uh, Fifth Story is one of them. She gonna have to swerve on this. Put the clothes on the curb for this. He even changed the shirt because this he uh, has always tried to push the envelope, but it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere new musically here. I would agree. I think uh, Black America, again, is the record I'd point people to for a, a later career common yeah. classic. Uh, this is not nearly at that level. Uh, I think there's some really good things about it. You know, I keep hearing these words uh, tossed around about common. People are always trying to put him down in kind of these national reviews. You know, what was the one phrase? Coffee shop jazz production, you know? <laughs> Backpacker, and, granola and, eater. And he'll be the first to own it. He, he, yeah. he, that's who he is now. He wasn't always that. He had to evolve into that role. But now, you know, this whole notion of not being macho enough and street enough and, and being unafraid to be vulnerable, that's that's who he is now and has been for, uh, you know, the bulk of his career. We have watched that evolution. It's an evolution that his memoir tracks. And, and you know, the shout-outs to Dilla on this record. He credits Dilla with showing him a way out of being the stereotypical cliché gangster on the streets of Chicago. He's a 47-year-old man owning up to the fact that he wasn't as great a father as he should have been, um, owning up to the fact that he went through this horrible childhood trauma, memories of home. He dropped some really deep stuff that I didn't know about him. Yeah. Uh, growing up in, uh, in, in Chicago, yeah. child, you know, cousin, an older cousin apparently abused him when he was a young kid. An older play cousin, of course I trust him, but he was touching where he wasn't supposed to be touching. What's the kid supposed to do when they going through what I was going through? Don't know who to go to. You want to tell somebody? In many ways, I felt somebody that somebody was me. Now I'm talking to little Rashi, incarcerated heart man. You gotta be free. And and talking about the need to 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 get through that somehow. You know, the fact that he needs therapy in that song, Good Morning Love. This rap here is fierce eulogy. Escape rooms with glasses of wine. Just another crutch for my brokenness. A term that I got from my therapist. As a black man, I feel I should be sharing this. I think when the record is that specific, it's riveting. When he talks in more general terms about, you know, 
peace and love and we yeah, need to yeah, yeah. hang together, yeah. you know, then it loses steam. That's when it becomes more of a banal kind of record for me. It has to be said, though, one of the all-time greatest freestylers in hip-hop history. Yeah, sure. If we had Common in this room now, and we have had this experience, we could say anything. I've got a paperclip in my hand, <laughs> right? And he could give us 40 minutes yeah. of brilliance yeah. on this paperclip. Yep, he could. That's a little bit of History Repeats, the lead-off track from the first solo album by Brittany Howard, Jamie. Greg, uh, we have covered Brittany's uh, career from the beginning. Both of us were big fans of Boys and Girls, the 2012 album by Alabama Shakes. Uh, the group was here in the studio. We also very much liked uh, Sound and Color, the 2015 record. Um, you know, it was an inspiring story. Uh, Brittany Howard is growing up in Alabama, going to high school, meets the boys in Alabama Shakes. They start as a garage band. They're doing covers. They find their own sound, and she becomes known as this galvanizing live performer from uh, from indie rock clubs suddenly becoming festival headliners, real players in the world. Grammys, records sold, and then it all got to be a bit much mm. for Brittany Howard. You know, whether Alabama Shakes is uh, permanently done or on a very long hiatus, even the fellas in the band don't know, including Zach Cockrell, the bassist who uh, does appear on this new solo album. Jamie, Brittany said she needed a break, and she uh, wanted to do something different. She needed to stretch out. The album is named for her older sister, who died when she was a teenager of cancer, who really inspired creativity in Britney, loaned her her first guitar, uh, told her to be an artist, uh, how to paint, just create, be yourself. But at the same time, she put out a mission statement with this record, Brittany Howard, saying, the record's not about her, it's about me. It's not as veiled as work I've done before. So what is this record giving us? Let's hear a little bit of the track, Georgia, by Brittany Howard from her new solo album, Jamie, on Sound Opinions. I just want Georgia to notice me. I just want Georgia to notice me. I just want Georgia to notice me. I just want Georgia. Georgia. See, you don't know it, but I'm afraid to tell you how I really feel. I'll show you. Just want Georgia to notice me. I just want Georgia. 
that is Georgia from Brittany Howard's solo debut album, Jamie. Uh, Jim, I got to say, anybody who thought this was going to be sort of an Alabama Shakes revisited kind of record is in for a big surprise. Yeah, because, yeah, for sure. You know, the one thing that's apparent to me, or even on that second uh, Alabama Shakes record, you could sort of tell that she was, there was ex- an experimental streak going on in her mind about where this band could go. And on History Repeat, she says, I mean, I've already been. I came and went. I washed my hands with it. I don't want to do it again. Yeah. She's stating, I'm starting over. And, you know, I don't know if Alabama Shakes will make another record. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But clearly, she's got many, many musical uh, layers that she wants to explore that have not been revealed yet. You know, I mean, she contains multitudes, right? And lyrics, too. <laughs> I mean, when she's singing in Georgia, I just want Georgia to notice me. Yeah. She's singing about having married her female partner and come out as openly gay and living yeah. in a place that is not that receptive so, to that. Now she's in New Mexico. She's uh, she's grew up in northern Alabama, small town. And she talks about being openly gay, as he said, in Georgia. She talks about her relationship with God, which is, you know, yeah. complex in, the, yeah, in the song she, he, he Loves Me. She drinks, she smokes, yeah. and he still, he still loves, loves me. me. The song Goathead is the one where she really wow. gets down yeah. to, yeah. you know, how tough it was being a biracial kid. Uh, growing up in Alabama. I mean, it wasn't pretty. See, I know my color, see. But what I want to know is who slashed my dad's ties and put a goat head in the bag? I guess I was supposed to know that. Too bad. So this frankness combined with adventurous production. Like, sometimes you wonder... I'm listening to like a D'Angelo voodoo record or something. Mm. There's a depth to it. Um, you know, uh, Ayana, uh, our producer, and I were conversing about this record, and she was talking about, you know, her vocals are mixed way down. It's yeah. not necessarily like, do you, is that even Brittany Howard? You know, so you kind of come to that awareness later on that, that she's really experimenting with a lot of things. I think she, she pulls it off completely. That song, 13th Century Metal, that's a song, really? an anthem for our time. You like that. The it, vocals sound as if it's a sample. I thought at first it was a sample of Maya Angelou. I stand to protect and focus myself in the betterment of my fellow being. We are brothers and sisters, each and every one. I think it's just completely off the wires and, you know, and at the same time, just try and do the best you can today, no matter where you've been. It's not we are the world. It's like... It's up to me personally mm. to make this a better place, at least just around, around in my environment. And I sort of take that to heart in, 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 in terms of what's going on now. Well, I think this is a record of experimentation, and I think that there's some of it that works really, really well. Short and Sweet is almost uh, entirely based on her vocal. I think Run to Me, where she's doing some kind of weird, almost show tune take on a song like Stand By Me, yeah. is a failed experiment. I applaud her for trying, for, 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 for branching out, for not wanting to be stuck in this kind of retro soul revivalist mode. Yeah, I think that's what she's trying to break out of. Which Alabama Shakes was getting past already on sound and color. I mean, she is a great talent. She's going to give us many more wonderful albums. A couple of missteps on this one, but on the whole, it, it's a really exciting record.
Now we want to hear from you, our listeners. What do you think of the new records from Common and Brittany Howard? Give us a call at 888-859-1800 and leave us a message with your response and why. Coming up, Jim and I are going to share our opinions on one last review. Plus, we're going to say goodbye to Rick Ocasek of The Cars and Daniel Johnston. That's In a Minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. It didn't kill me. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. He is Greg Cott. And this week, we are doing a review roundup, the big full release schedule, Greg. We've got one more record to tackle. A critical reason there's a population Raising eyebrows and a new generation Rosie the Riveter with renovations And always gets better with the line Redesigning women Running the world while That is a track called Redesigning Women from the debut album by a new group called The High Women, self-titled debut album. Uh, you may not recognize the name of the group, but you will recognize the band members mm. in this group. You know, it's being billed as a Nashville supergroup. Brandy Carlisle, Natalie Hemby, Maren Morris, Amanda Shires, all great songwriters in their own right, produced by one Dave Cobb, the hot hand in Nashville right now with... Credits including Chris Stapleton, Sergio Simpson, Jason Isbell, and Brandy Carlisle, as well as John Prine. This is a uh, homage to the legendary Highwaymen country supergroup of the 80s. Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson. The subtext here is the lack of representation of women mm-hmm. artists on country music radio and at music festivals. You know, with the Me Too movement arising uh, Amanda Shire said, hey, girls, we need to do this. You know, this is something that we need to do for us, but also for all women. You know, this idea of inclusion being a big uh, motivating force for putting this project together. And the four women in this group were able to piece together this record because they thought, hey, this needs to be done now. Uh, they made their live debut in April at Loretta Lynn's 87th birthday concert in Nashville. I can't think of a better place to uh, a spiritual kick off a group like this. For sure, yeah. Absolutely. Here's a track from The High Women. It's called High Women. It's the title track from the album on Sound Opinions. I was a high woman and a mother from my youth. For my children, I did what I had to do. My family left Honduras when they killed the Sandinistas. We followed our coyote through the dust of Mexico. Every one of them except for me survived, and I am still alive. I was a healer. I was gifted as a girl. I laid hands upon the world Someone saw me sleeping Naked in the noon sun I heard a witchcraft in the whispers And I knew my time had come The bastards hung me at the Salem gallows hill But I am living still
That is the title track from the High Women, the debut album by this super. This is my kind of super group, yeah. Greg, because this really sounds like a bunch of inspired women hanging out, drinking a lot of beers and some <laughs> shots in between and making music that they love. I think it's got this great sense of humor. Redesigning women references that old uh, Southern based sitcom, you know, with Annie Potts, right? Mm-hmm. And talks about, at the same time, some serious issues. You know, High Women does that too. They're portraying different characters, pioneering feminists. You know, I can't think of a braver topic than My Name Can't Be Mama. Not that I don't love you, I wouldn't touch the hands of time. I don't always want to be the mother. You know, I'm going to have a life outside of that. There are some songs which are a little slighter. Loose Change has been, uh, you know, mocked by some. But I think this is a a real back porch hootenanny of incredible talents. I, I, I hear Amanda Shires inspiring her other peers. She was a guest on Sound Opinions that woman has vision mm. and just uh, certainly I think is one of the best interviews you and I have done in the last five or six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see her being the driving force here, which is not to slight the others. It's a true joint effort and it's inspiring and, and fun. And I don't even like, you know, country music if it doesn't have a fuzz box. <laughs> I think there are a lot of good ideas on this record. I think the idea of the collective rather than the individual members being the focus, those are all noble experiments. I think... Uh, If I were to fault anything on this record, I think the production is a little conservative. And yes, I'm going to put this at the at the feet of Dave Cobb. I think, you know, it's almost like they're daring country radio not to play this record because it is so straight down the middle. You're either talking about honky tonk songs or ballads, Mm. and you go, "What's wrong with either one of those ideas?" You know, it's like feminist. These are very well, exactly. That those ideas are what what makes it uh, so intriguing. I think the sense of humor in uh, Shire's Don't Call Me. That could have been, they could have sprinkled a little bit more of that in this more, record. Yeah. But the notion of motherhood and, and that balancing act that you noted in My Name Can't Be Mama, or the whole idea of what motherhood means, which is referenced in a number of songs yeah. from, from their perspective as working women, as people who have tried to, you know, start families and raise a kid in this environment. And the fact that, you no, know, it's just expected. You're going to raise your kid That's and you you're going to have this career yeah. and you're not going to get any break. You know, it's, yeah. it's up to you, you know. That message of inclusion is also huge. I mean, when you talk about Crowded Table... These songs resonate on that level. It's about, it's not about, you know, we're going to go form our own group over here. It's like everybody's welcome. And I think by extension, it means LGBTQ people. Yes, for sure. It means African-American women and men. I mean, everybody who's been excluded is welcome in this club. I, I get your point on it being a little too clean. Would I have rather them record live at a club like the Hideout in, in Chicago or the one in Austin? I bet you yeah, live it'll come across better. Yeah, for yeah. that reason. Yeah, absolutely.
That is Good Times Roll from the Cars debut album, the first song on the first Cars album, written and sung by one Rick Okasik, who died at the age of 75 on September 15th. Dying right around the same time, Eddie Money, uh, another artist who got his uh, start in that same year, 78, was a big year for Eddie Money. Mm-hmm. It was a big year for Rick Okasik. Uh, we want to acknowledge Eddie Money's death as well. But I think the focal point here is Okasik and the Cars. His influence on the next 40 years of music can't be overstated. You know, when you think about that sort of quiet verse, uh, louder refrain kind of structure of songwriting, I mean, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about Pixies, you're thinking about Nirvana, you're thinking about a lot of bands who listen to the Cars, even though they may not have been able to admit it to their cool friends, that I really like the Cars. They were a cool band, and I think their music has held up really well. Um, their first record, the self-titled first record, might as well be called The Car's Greatest Hits. I mean, it's just that yeah. good. Every song, there's not a wasted note on that record. That is Okasik. Here's a guy who was, like Eddie Money, a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. You know, in his 30s, before The Cars really took off, had been struggling in the Boston bar scene, uh, you know, in folk bands and different kind of projects. His, he and his pal Ben Orr. Then they recruited these three ace musicians and formed this band that had a futuristic bent to it, very Roxy music influenced uh, in terms of how they presented the music, but basically taking rock and roll past and using all of it as fodder to recreate a new vision of what the music could sound like. A veritable new wave. Exactly. Which was the cause of some skepticism by people saying, here are these old Watered down seasoned punk, right? pros, yeah. you know, taking advantage of the punk moment to make mainstream music. I always thought that was an unfair knock. No, it was. And uh, I think the Cars music really holds up. I would argue very strongly for the first three records. I would not yeah. only take the Cars and Candy O, which most people acknowledge as classics, I would put Panorama. In that group, their third record, the third in a row. A lot of people look down on that record. I think that was a truly innovative record. Uh, And and the title song really uh, looked forward to uh, what became Electropop. I mean, you have bands like Depeche Mode, which kind of took a lot of cues from what Panorama was doing. To say nothing of a band like Weezer. Right. Well, for sure. Let's talk about the other side of Okasik, the production. I mean, the choices of the production. Suicide's second album, Alan Vega and Martin Rev, a classic Mm -hmm. record. He was very influenced by Suicide. He loved those guys. Helped them uh, record a classic record. Uh, Bad Brains, Rock yeah. for Light, the uh, groundbreaking Washington, D.C. Uh, punk band that also uh, played reggae. Kind of, what a combination. Hardcore yeah. punk and reggae. I, I 
Classic got the mix right. Weezer's debut album, the Blue Album. Again, I think he recognized a kindred spirit in Rivers Cuomo. This oh, guy yeah. doesn't know where to fit in. Yeah. This does, doesn't sound like any other grunge record of that year. I'm going to help him make the pop record of his dreams, and he did. Um, and then, I, you know, I got to give a shout out to Degeneration, you know, that Jesse Mallon's <laughs> band. I love that band. He, he, he uh, Okasik, loved them too, apparently. No Lunch is a classic uh, 90s record, just completely out of time. Where's this, yeah. Where does this glam punk record come from? Rick Ocasek uh, leaves us at the age of 75 with some great memories, some great music that he both made and produced. Uh, Jim, we have a few more deaths to, to look at as well, right? We do. In the indie world, Greg, uh, we have got to acknowledge David Berman of the Silver Jews uh, died a few weeks ago. We didn't get to pay tribute to him. Mainstay of the 1990s indie rock scene associated with the guys in Pavement. Mm-hmm. A lot of people saw Silver Jews, Berman's band, as an offshoot of Pavement coming from the lo-fi recording in the bedroom DIY world. Got two tickets to a midnight execution Hitchhike away from Odessa to Houston And when they turn on the chair Something's added to the air When they turn on the chair Something's added to the air Forever to the air And another person in the same vein with an even more complicated story. Daniel Johnston has died at the age of 58. I don't like this term, outsider artist, Mm. but I think it's impossible to talk about Johnston without talking about that. Um, You know, he was a kid who was raised in West Virginia in a fundamentalist Christian household in a big family. He was the youngest and, you know, began to suffer in his late teens from schizophrenia and manic depression. Also incredibly prolific, recording on a cheap boombox cassette deck Mm -hmm. dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of tapes that made their way into the hands of many people in the indie rock scene of the 80s. Johnston is perhaps best remembered uh, by the people who covered him. Yola Tango and Mary Lou Lord and the Pastels and Kurt Cobain appears on Mm -hmm. MTV with the Daniel Johnston T-shirt because he was a visual artist as well. Uh, You know, there's a great documentary about his life and people like Tom Waits are praising him. I think it's difficult for critics to talk about someone like Daniel Johnston or Wesley Willis, similar Chicago outsider artist, or really Rocky Erickson or Brian Wilson. Because you do not want to romanticize the mental problems, the strain in these artists' lives. But to criticize the music, then you're sounding unsympathetic Mm. to the travails of the personal life. 
you know, the fact is I saw Johnston on stage several times. Uh, he was an uneasy performer. He often didn't seem to want to be there, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean he didn't love making music. He did, but on his terms. But, you know, you book a gig, you're on tour, you got to show up at a particular time and people are expecting something. Yeah. And half of the audience on some nights was expecting this man to melt down right. and show his suffering on stage, which I always found very distasteful. All of that having been said, what is the recorded legacy he leaves us? Something like 17 albums, including, you know, getting signed to a major label for exactly one record, not his best. Um, when people were trying to take advantage of Steer Johnston, I think bad things happened. When he was freely creating his own music, it was often very, very poignant. It was about using art to find solace from pain and suffering in his life. Mm -hmm. And I do not really love his uh, almost childlike vocals. I think he is best appreciated by the artists who covered him. Yola Tango doing Speeding Motorcycle. It's just beautiful. Many girls have taken you out for a ride Hurt you deep inside, but you never slowed down. Speeding motorcycle of my heart. There was something there. And often people uh, seized on the the saddest elements, and other people genuinely loved mm. what this man created. He is now dead at the age of 58, uh, was in Ill, Ill health the last two years. Hopefully he is now finding some peace. He did not ever find the true love he was looking for. Something like true love will find you in the end is just an incredibly yeah, poignant song. song. He never got there. Don't be sad, I know you will But don't give up until True love will find you in the end This is a promise with a catch If you're looking, can it find you? It's true love is searching too. Daniel Johnston, true love will find you in the end. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have an in-depth interview with Ian McKay, a classic album dissection of Fugazi's debut, Repeater. For more sound opinions, you can listen to our podcast wherever you find such things. The show is produced, as always, by Brendan Banizak, Alex Claiborne, Ayanna Contreras, and Andrew Gill. True love will find you in the end. Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Hey, Greg and Jim, this is Rob from Rockville, Maryland. Thanks for doing the episode about your favorite bass line. That is the instrument I 
pay the most attention to next to the drums when I'm listening to music. And I just want to throw in one more for you. Uh, definitely a Homer call because I'm near Washington, D.C., but got to recognize Joe Lally from Fugazi if you listen to Margin Walker, Waiting Room, on and on. I mean, basically, he and uh, Brendan Candy on drums are such an incredible core, what made that band so special. So next time, uh, give more love to Joe, and thanks for the show. Bye. Hey, this is Robert from Marin City, and I can't believe that people can talk about bass players and not mention Larry Graham, who uh, invented the plug-and-suck way of playing the bass. I'm hoping that uh, this will do him uh, right. Hey guys, this is Rui from Chicago. Loved your show on some of your favorite bass players and their signature licks. One of my all-time favorites is a guy who I think is very underrated, and that's Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath. An integral member of the founding fathers of heavy metal, he's had as much influence on bass playing in that genre as anyone ever. He could almost be considered a jazz bass player playing hard rock. A great example of this style is in War Pigs during Tony Iommi's first solo. Geezer is actually playing his own intricate bass solo during that section, and it's amazing. It's not an exaggeration to say that his riffs remind me of Stanley Clark or Jacob Astorius at their finest. As always, great appreciation for your show from a long-time listener. Now in darkness, world stops turning. Ashes where the body's burning. Hi, this is Alan Arkish, and I'm calling from uh, Los Angeles. I've enjoyed your show about bass players a lot. I have uh, many, many mixes of different bass players, and and... One of my real favorites is Chris Holman of the Birds. You started out as a mandolin player uh, for his really fast driving sounds. Listen to So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star. And uh, Renaissance Fair, he does a really interesting bass line on that that becomes a bass solo. But of course, there's always the epic Eight Miles High.
Thanks. Uh, enjoying the show. No more messages. To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.